You're listening to Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. My guest this week is Matt Forsyth. His new book is Jinchalo, as well as Comics Class, as well as he was on, oh, about two or three years ago to talk about his previous book from Drawing Quarterly, Ojingogo, as well. He has a children's book that I have not read yet um, called, is it I Am Elizabeth? Sure. Is that the name of it? <laughs> no, it's called... It's called My Name is Elizabeth. My name... Sorry. I failed. No, it's all right. <laughs> I just wrote down kids' book, my thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for joining That's me, Matt. Right. Yeah, thanks Thanks for having me. Uh, I'll just start out by getting the names of your things wrong, and we'll just <coughs> go from there. Um, I feel like uh, things have changed a lot for you from the last time you were on. When you are on before... In a lot of ways, you're still pretty new to the comics community with Ojingogo going out, and that was like your first real comics work. Um, since then, kind of how has your art practice changed in that time? Because from what I understand, you've kind of gone yeah. from working regular day job for an FB, and now you're straight full artist. Yeah, well, I guess now it's now, well, I, uh, I kind of. Um, I was working like when I when I did the first book, like you said, I was working at uh, the National Film Board, and I was. Uh, it was a, actually it was a, it was it, it was a sort of big job in the sense that it took a lot of my time, and then uh, and then I uh, I decided I wanted to to, to work full time and uh, on illustration and comics, and so I, I left that job, and then I spent a year. Kind of, I mean. Like, like really, um, uh, yeah, a year doing illustration work and 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 focusing on uh, uh, on comics. But I mean, to be honest, the f the first year was really it was really hard. It was because I, I I had I'd come out of a, a sort of safe, secure, uh, you know, very comfortable job, and then I just started watching my sort of my bank account just sort of. Uh, dwindle, you know. So it was a very stressful year, and I, I I really wanted to, you know, to work really hard and focus on illustrate. But I I didn't have any clients, and I didn't know where they were going to come from necessarily. So I spent, you know, what do they say? You know, they say like being poor is a full time job, you know. So I was like, I spent a lot of time just, um, you know, trying to work, but finding I was too stressed to really to to do the kind of work I wanted to. So that was the first year, but I'm happy to say this year has been a lot better. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, I just I just kept at it, and and uh, and yeah, now now things are now things are fine. But it was uh, it was a bit of a free fall for a while. So now, yeah, now I now instead of working at the film board, I'm I guess you asked what my art practice was. Now I I do illustration. Uh, I do some illustration client work, and. Um, after the after the first uh, picture book, uh, uh, my name is Elizabeth. Now I've got a uh, a contract to do uh, a couple more, and um, yeah, so um, things are good. Things are fine. I'm curious how that affects um, creatively when, like, how you kind of divide up your time or divide up your I don't know your juices from working on illustration work for other folks and then working on your own work. Yeah, well, I think uh, I'm used like, and I think we all we all are. Everyone who does comics is used to doing comics whenever they can, and you know, in the sort of snatches of time, like from 
um, uh, from you know from my conversations with other sort of comic book artists, I know like you know most people moonlight doing it, right? Because it's not a it's not a uh, from you know for a lot of people it's not a primary source of income. You know, it's very very difficult uh, uh, in the in the sort of uh, to do comics unless you're doing mainstream comics. I have friends who do that and they do quite well, but um, I don't do that. So it's yeah. So anyway, I do illustrate. Il, um, like il, the paying work has to take priority, mm-hmm. which is uh, so you know I have to work really hard on the on the paying work, the illustration jobs, um, and and you know and try and do them in an efficient in a way so that I'm left with some time to just you know to just to just work on comics. So I mean I mean that was my sort of. That was what I was doing last year, and yeah, it was it was a bit difficult. I mean, there's artists. It's weird because I think about this this balance all the time, and I, you know, there's artists like like the best artists just take the dive, and um, I mean, they're not me, but they take the dive and they just focus on their comics, and probably, and and you know, that's probably why their comics are amazing because they just they just take they've taking they're taking every risk with them and. Uh, um, and that comes through, you know. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. I was just kind of I was thinking on that and trying to see what I wanted to pull out there. Um, so with the with uh, Jinchalo, did I get the pronunciation right this time? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, what did you have in mind starting that? Did you take some time off from Ojingogo, or did you kind of follow through on some of the ideas pretty quickly? Yeah, that's exactly it. I just sort of I just. In fact, some of the some of the main some of the drawings in, in Ginchello were like um, I just finished them after uh, I had them done before Ojingo Go even came out. So it was just stuff that uh, there were just drawings that I wanted to sort of yeah follow through on exactly. And I just kept kind of drawing it. I was still working <clears throat> when I started Ginchello. I was still working full time. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was still working full time at the film board and. Um, and so, just whenever I could find some time, I would just draw some pages that I wanted to draw, and I didn't really have time to write properly. And uh, but I, 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 you know, I could, I, I still wanted to to draw and 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 explore this sort of world. And then, um, and then, like probably six months after uh, I started working for myself, uh, I realized I had like sixty pages of of this of of more sort of Ojingogo stuff. And I liked where it was going, and so I emailed Chris at John Corley, and I was like, you know, do you think you guys would be interested in doing another another book like this? And they said, yeah, sure. And um, and I was like, okay, well, I mean, I've already got sixty pages, so it's gonna be out like really soon. And that was like maybe like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay. I hope your catalog, like your schedule, is free for me because it's gonna. And, you know, he was like, whatever, you know. And, I, <laughs> and then two years later, I was like, oh god, I'm like, because I, I ended up just like throwing out a lot of pages, and and obviously, uh, yeah, life happens. Like I had, you know, I had a, I had a ton of, you know, when the illustration work came in, I had so much debt, I had to take it, and so it was kind of. Um, uh, yeah, it was it was one of those situations, but yeah, I uh, I finished it late last year, and then and then yeah, it just came out this year. If anyone's interested in the schedule, <laughs> I feel <laughs> guilty talking about that. 
<laughs> Don't feel guilty. At least it made it out. <laughs> um, tell me about the character and what is it about her that kind of keeps keeps you coming back to her. Yeah, well, it was just you know she was just like I. <laughs> It was just kind of lazy, like it was just laziness. Like it was, she was just this lens that I was using in Ojingo Go, uh, to you know, to look at this, to explore this world with. And um, I really, I liked, you know, she's based on a friend of mine actually who's from Vancouver, where where you are. So uh, her name is uh, Vanessa, and I, um, uh, I knew her when I was living in Korea. She came and visited me. She was living in Japan at the time, and and uh, so that's so she's. She was the sort of um, the impetus. I remember telling her like I'd really love to do a comic, and she was like, "Well, she's like, she's kind of you know she's like she's like the character. She's very like hard nosed." And she was like, "Well, just fucking do it. Like, quit talking about what you want to do." And I was like, and so like I remember the Monday after she left, sitting sitting in class with my kids, and I just started drawing her. And she's a and she is she's a strong like you know she's like like she's a cool like. A cool girl, and 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 she's and she's very hard nosed and has very like clear idea of what she likes and what she doesn't like. So she was fun. She, it's fun to put her in this sort of in this sort of world, um, and and have her interact with uh, with different things. Tell me about within that world. Um, I was seeing some little things that kind of remind me of certain myths and stuff. Are, have you been kind of reading up on that and pulling? Yeah, that was yeah, in. yeah. Sorry, to, sorry. Did you no? Want to go ahead. Something? Yeah, that was sort of um, because uh, I think after Ojing, like I wanted after Ojingo came out, I talked a lot about sort of you know the influence of Korean culture, and I felt a little uh, uh, I felt a little guilty because uh, it wasn't really like it was. I mean, it was inspired by my time in Korea, but uh, I I I had been exposed to some of the sort of folk tales while I was there. And I wanted to sort of explore that a bit further, so I did read a bunch of. Uh, excuse me, I did read a bunch of folk tales uh, while I was working on it, and I didn't. I didn't sort of, uh, like, I, uh, I didn't sort of use them as a template for anything. But if I noticed similarities, or if I noticed sort of directions that the folk tales were going, I would just sort of take that in, take that into consideration. Um, so uh, I mean, a really common, like a almost all Korean folk tales are like deal with sort of family value and family hierarchy and loyalty and like being and being being loyal to your parents and obeying your your elders and uh, and that's sort of I think grounded in um, in the sort of Confucian ethic, which is which is you know sort of ubiquitous in Korea. Uh, conf Everything is um, in, in everything in Korea is dictated by uh, uh, by your place in the sort of hierarchy, mm -hmm. you know, in the in social hierarchy, you know. Like I remember, uh, like age is everything. You always obey, you always obey your elders, and you're always defer to someone who's older than you. And I remember I worked with some twins at this school in um, in Ilsan where I, where I lived, and and I was like, so who? You know, like your twins, like so, who, who, who has to, who, who takes preference? Who's, you know, uh, who, you know, who's, who's the, uh, who's, who's the older? And, and and sure enough, one of them was born like an hour before the other one, so for their entire lives, she was the one who, who dictated what you know what would happen in situations, you know, and and it it influences 
something as simple as like when you're at a bar and you like toast each other if you're younger than whoever you're toasting your bottle has to be lower than theirs you know like everything is uh is is related in some way to this sort of confucian um social hierarchy and and it comes through in all the folk tales uh which is what what i started with which, which is that um uh like there's like there's this one uh uh folk tale called the um the disobedient frog and it's about this frog who doesn't listen to his mother and uh and um she dies uh as a result of his of his uh, uh disobedience and and he feels so guilty because what he did he felt caused her made her sick and caused her death that he spent his life mourning her on the riverside and so that's the sound that frogs make is they're mourning their dead parents so you can see like that kind of thing when you hear even when you hear a frog you're 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 meant to be reminded of um of 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 you know of, of your loyalty to you know that sort of thing mm-hmm. like the societal yeah yeah and also i mean and also there's sort of a jack and the beanstalk uh um reference yeah. in it too and that and that story is very much also about like sort of loyalty and obeying your your parents anyway i don't want to get but anyway so that, that was sort of a part of the part of it there was some stuff i i was wondering if it was from other stuff like there was the uh guy with the the staff that turns into a snake which made me think of uh moses oh i didn't man i didn't i didn't think about that at all but i mean i'm sure yeah i'm sure it was working on some level <laughs> i didn't you, know you I just didn't... happened to be reading exodus that day yeah uh no i mean i read the old testament when i was very young uh, but uh, I don't. I don't think that had. Any, I. It was like. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. That that guy is actually. Uh, I found this painting of this bird with a very small hat, uh, and 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 I put it on. And 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 he was in a very similar robe to that bird. Anyway, I found this painting when I was in Siberia on my way back from Korea, and I loved the painting. And I was like, and and I couldn't find out. There was like some Cyrillic characters on the back, and I couldn't really. I couldn't really make out what what the reference was to but I was like oh I love this bird so I ended up drawing it and that became one of the key images that that the book sort of uh, came out of you like to travel a lot don't you I love yeah I love to travel I, yeah I love to travel I, I spent most of my 20s just just traveling and working my way around the world and then um, and I still like now I'm kind of settled down in Montreal I'm really for six years and every time the seasons change I'm like I feel this sort of, I feel this urge to go, go somewhere else. Is that why you went to uh, India in January? Yeah, I needed. I, I'd be, I, you know, I'd been working, and it was also I finished Jinchalo, and I was like, uh, I need to sort of, I need to sort of take a month and and reboot and sort of, clean, you know, wash the blackboard clean and just think about things and get some perspective and. And uh, I had some friends who were going to be there, so I met up with them for a little bit. But yeah, I mean, and India was, and I, I ended up there in the middle of. Um, we went to Rishikesh, which is kind of the sort of capital of the world capital of yoga, and um, and it's sort of it's kind of a cliche now in India. Uh, it's a bit of a touristy place, but we we went to a really remote, well, relatively remote spot on the Ganges near there, and. 
it was in the middle of a monkey migration and it was amazing. Like it was, I didn't even, I didn't expect to see any monkeys there. I mean, I, I guess I should have knowing how they're pretty ubiquitous in India, but we saw like hundreds and the owner of the guest house was like, I've never seen this many monkeys. So I just sat outside and drew monkeys the whole time because coincidentally, totally coincidentally, uh, my, this kid's book I'm working on, this picture book I'm working on right now is about, it's kind of about monkeys. So I was like, and I remember when I got the script thinking, because I didn't write it, I remember thinking, oh, you know, I wish I had like more of a connection with monkeys. I don't, and I hate going to zoos. I hate like any sort of animal tourism or, mm-hmm, you know. The confinement. Yeah, it would just, it would just like, it would just depress me to do that. And then uh, I ended up in India and um, and there were monkeys everywhere. And I was like, this is perfect. And it was, uh, it was awesome. <laughs> do experiences like that, they kind of change your, your markings? You kind of it leaves an indelible mark on you. Uh, that would be very India. <laughs> very <laughs> India if it did, right? Uh, I don't know. Um, no, you know, I don't think. No, I, I mean it. Uh, it was you no, know, it was unforgettable. That's for sure. But I didn't change who I was. It was just a. It was just a sort of much needed, really peaceful time. It was awesome and. Um, it more sort of subtracted a lot of noise, you know, that then then added a mark. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. sort of took away a lot of, and I came back with a lot of clarity. Not like like I'm like India didn't like going to India or anywhere. It doesn't really didn't really give me anything. But it just I just felt like it was really clear to me, especially you know because it's um you know there's so much poverty in India and there's there's so many like like overtly apparent sort of uh, social problems uh, and sort of po- and environmental problems and political problems. I mean, it's there's a lot of greatness too. I mean, that's the thing about the country is it's just like this full spectrum. It's the full spectrum of life, you know. And um, but it just made it just made me much clearer about uh, what was important to me and what wasn't. You know, what's bullshit and what isn't in my life. You know. So you notice I, I don't no I doubt anyone's noticed but like I spend a lot less time on Twitter because it's kind of bullshit <laughs> you know you know like you get you come back and you're just like what like what is this like why did this you know I love you know I love my friends on Twitter but I, I don't need to you know I don't need that stuff is it has has a place and it's you know, it's not a very big one in my life I kind of understand that last weekend um, I went down to Portland with some friends to do some or the weekend before last to do some filming for some videos. I think and I saw this. You, you, is this the road trip you posted some photos of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That looked like a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, and the big thing is, it's just busy the whole time, and it kind of pulled me out of my element because in town I'm just so focused with work, work, yeah. work, work, ink studs, ink studs, ink studs. Um, there, I was still in ink studs mode, but it was like I'm not at home, I'm not sitting at the computer, I'm not on Twitter. And I was totally removed from it. And of course, the one time I go on Twitter for an extended time is the morning I find out about Mobius. So that kind of right. sucked out the wind too. Um, but it was really good as far as like kind of clearing my head and something. It really, it it really takes away a lot from what I'm doing. Um, it's great for communicating with folks, but half the time on there, it's getting in like pointless arguments with folks about things and. I don't really feel like I'm getting kind of any high 
intellectual discourse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I, you know, like, you, we're not going to be lying on our deathbed going, I wish I tweeted more, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? No one is going to say that. <laughs> well, it's also, like, both of us kind of, we have this generational gap thing where we don't come from this constant needing to be entertained by the internet um, yeah. or this constant access to it like you're around the same age as I am I think like mid 30s yes yeah. um, and so like growing up it you know we just did what we did but now it's like everyone's got their iPhones like I actually refuse to get a data plan <laughs> yeah like... someone ironically I'm going to re reference tweet right now but someone tweeted or someone said recently my new standard of cool is I never see your phone ever. <laughs> and it's true. Like what, like what's, you know, if you're with someone, you know, what's so important that the phone needs to come out. I, I'm actually, and the other thing is this is kind of a backlash. I'm not going to get all hate on, on social media and, and the internet because I actually, when I worked at the film board, that was one of my primary roles. Like I worked for five years developing their sort of online presence, you know, and, mm -hmm. and working on this website where they put all their videos, uh, all their films online. And I really believed in it. I still believe in it. It was this, you know, like for those people who don't know the film board, maybe but the national film board is a, is a, is a beautiful archive of Canadian films and animated films and documentaries. And usually often very important sort of, I mean, very important, but you know, like very like, like, and, and, and for many years, like they were completely inaccessible to Canadians and anyone, and so I, I started working the film board. And there's this opportunity, the internet, you know, this opportunity yeah. to, to put these out there, and sort of it was kind of like this reunion between the film, you know, the, the films and people. And so I really believed in in, and I you know I still believe in that mission, which was to to connect all this great sort of this all these great sort of cultural archives with the the people who paid for them, you know, the Canadians or a public. But, um, and so I had to evangelize the idea of social media and, you know, the web and, you know, and Facebook. I had to, you know, I, I spent, you know, years like traveling Canada, you know, teaching, you know, uh, people at the film board about these tools and, and, help, and helping getting them integrated into this sort of workflow. But anyway, I think I overdid it, you know? <laughs> Like, I think I overdid it. Now it's kind of backlash phase. Now it's like I really, you know. Time to step back. Yeah, I need to, yeah, I need to step back. I really, like, I spent too much time. And, you know, I, 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 I worked, uh, and I still do occasionally, I blog with, you know, drawn.ca, which is that illustration blog. And, and um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm embraced those things. But uh, I think it's, it, I, I'm much happier having sort of limits on them.
Oh, I was going to say, yeah, like when you went on your trip, um, you were saying you, um, you were saying that you had no, yeah, you, you find you have no place for, uh, for, for this sort of stuff in your life. I don't know. I just, it's probably, I think that's probably more natural, right? Because when you, when you travel, you, you're necessarily living in the moment, right? So, mm-hmm. so that's kind of, it's kind of a good indicator of, I don't know, a healthier, a healthy <laughs> way to live, you know? Not to say that that Twitter is an unhealthy way to live. <laughs> Friends that are listening, um, yeah, yeah, true. Okay, yeah. But anyway. for for myself, yeah, I definitely feel like I need to make a commitment to uh, to step back online um, and more focus on what I can do than uh, all that other stuff, web presence, blah blah. Um, which is funny because at my regular day job, I was actually hired on specifically to uh, handle our social media component. <laughs> what are you doing now for your regular day job? Uh, it's just an office job at a small nonprofit. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you about it later. Um, <laughs> comics class um, for the lovely, wonderful Miss Annie Koyama. Um, it's uh it's very different work from uh Ojingogo and Jinchalo. Um I guess that was kind of you just wanting to have fun with a comic. Yeah. Kind of silly. I yeah, well I was actually teaching a comics class. Uh uh I was like I said I was um I was working um in a studio for a year after uh for my first year working for myself. And I and I got asked to do this comics class for um, a school, a high school in the suburbs. And um, I thought, you know, that might, you know, I need, to, I know the value of taking, you know, yourself out of your comfort zone. And I was like, this might be a good opportunity to be really uncomfortable for a while, you know. And um, so I, yeah, I took it. It was like this ten week class, which is, and it was like three hours a week, and. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was. I think we were grade eights, uh, which in Quebec is is high school uh, level, I guess. And um, and it wasn't like. And so I, I don't know. I was teaching a lot of comics concepts that I mean, I really had no right to be teaching. I didn't really know about them, and so I thought, well, I should, you know, I should be making. And the kids were all making comics, so I was like, I should be making comics too. And so. Uh, I would come home usually after the class and just and just draw a comic quickly, um, based on something that happened in the class. Um, yeah, and so that's that. That's how that happened. Um, that was done with a Wacom, Wacom. Yeah, it was all it was all done like on, on a, a digitally, yeah, on, with a Wacom tablet on them in Photoshop. But your other work isn't done digitally, is it? No, is it? Uh, it's all yeah. That's all like penciled and. Thumbed and pencil. It's all done on Bristol board with a with a G nib. Um, was this kind of a chance for you to try out the the Wacom, or is it still, or have you been using it for a while for like your illustration work? Yeah, well, I'd never done like this sort of detailed line work for, with it. I use always always use Wacom for like coloring and sort of layering stuff, um, but I'd never. I mean, anyone who's used Wacom to do line art knows that it's, especially in Photoshop, it's kind of crappy. But um, I didn't mind that it was crappy. I was like, I just want to do something quickly. And I also wanted to just 
sort of play with the concepts that I was talking about in, in, in comic class. Like I just wanted to sort of, um, yeah, I just wanted, just wanted to sort of, I wanted it to be more about the content, you know, and pure juxtaposition than about the sort of, uh, than the, the sort of aesthetic. Does that well, make sense? Yeah. Um, was there something freeing about the immediacy with it? Yeah, it was just, it was just a lot of fun and relaxed and it was just like an hour. I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't part of a, it wasn't meant to be part of a longer narrative and I wasn't, I don't know. It was just like a, it was just like little, like little gag strips that I just stuck together and then put into, and put into the book in what is hopefully a pleasing <laughs> It, it <laughs> pleasing did make manner. the, uh, the top list of the, uh, the ink studs, the, uh, cartoonists talking about the comics they like. Oh, great. Cool. Yeah. Okay. We had, a. Uh, a couple of friends of yours on who actually were going off to meet with you that night after. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, yes, I mean that, yeah, I, I had, uh, I, so it was sort of a planted <laughs> best of list. <laughs> no, no, it was very much, we all really enjoyed it. It was, it was a very much liked book. So. Yeah. And it was just a mini comic. Like it, it is what it is. And, and it was, it was just a lot of fun to do very much inspired by like, I love like Kate Beaton's like super loose Twitter comics that she does for you know for just that tweet you know what I mean she'll just like twit pick them and then I also love like uh, I mean I like everyone else I love um, like Jillian uh, Tamaki's Super Mutant Magic Academy and I noticed that she was doing them with I noticed you can tell that she was doing them with a Wacom tablet and I was like that's wicked you know like Jillian's someone who like works. Uh, is you know she's a rare artist in that she works pretty like religiously in natural media mm-hmm. and so for her to be like I'm just going to do these comics for the pureness of the comic you know just to do the comic and not worry about the sort of you know the watercolor wash or you know like or you know the la- or layering things she and and it, I don't know I'm just I didn't it didn't even occur to me that I could do that you know <laughs> and so uh, yeah so I, I, I um there's some, something inter- about her. I mean, she's also one of those artists who no matter what medium she works with, she's so outstanding. Like, you look at the uh, embroidery work that yeah. she does, and it looks like her work, and it's yeah. beautiful, but it's completely different format than anything else she's done. I think it's just, like, I mean, I, um, I mean, I've, I think we're, like, we're pretty good friends, and we, we, we chat every now and then, and she's just uh, brilliant. She's just like one of these people who, it, it's rare in, it's rare in in illustration or comics to find someone who's so, like reflective and thoughtful about their work and, and you know like those posts she does about um, uh, about teaching, are, like this is someone who takes uh who takes illustration and comics seriously. I mean she has obviously she has a lot of fun with it too and that comes through. But like, she, you know she really really. Uh, um, she really, you know, she really thinks she's really sort of really thinks about what what she does, and it, it sounds it sounds like a a small thing. I mean, but it's not, you know. Like it's it's very rare to find someone who thinks so much about. And I I like yeah, I find that really uh, find that really inspiring. Like like I think I think it's I guess it's her point of view, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also um, yeah, I guess what you like what you're talking about is her voice, right? She has this voice that comes through in all of her different work and it's uh yeah anyway i'm i'm a i'm a big fan <laughs> we <laughs> all are we all are um 
Now, you didn't go to art school, as you mentioned, in the comics class. And I was reading some of your posts uh, talking about um, kind of artists that have been inspiring you lately, like uh, Feininger. Um, yeah. And, and tell me about, like, this kind of learning about art kind of in this context of, like, kind of selectively choosing what to excite you instead of kind of uh, following the academic regime. Well, I think like, um, I I, I think I think I might have gone through this. I feel like I'm kind of in art school now, you know. Uh, but I'm lucky enough to be getting paid to do like because my client work is so all over the place. Um, it's and that's just me experimenting with different media, and I think that's what most people go through when they're in art school. But I'm kind of doing it now. Like I'm just like. I'm just like 15 years behind everyone else, you know, <laughs> and I'm, I, cause I, cause I, like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I come home from like a, a Feininger exhibit and I can't not like, not, it's not that I need to try and like replicate it or ape it or anything, but I just can't like not just I, I be excited to try, you know, some of the things that I learned, you know, I think that's also it. Like, I just love love learning and so uh this is kind of uh this sort of process stuff is a yeah it's just really fun to 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 experiment with different media and different techniques and uh, anyway i feel like i'm getting a lot of stuff out of my system that um i you know that someone else who you know would would have gotten out of their system when they're 20 does that make sense well i'm curious what you mean by that well, I mean, like, I, like, you, like you said, like, I didn't, I mean, like, last year, I, I got really into sort of abstract expressionism, and that whole Bauhaus school, and like, I got really, like, for the first time, really engaged, like, interested in, in their philosophies, and their sort of philosophy of art, and philosophies of, you know, theories of color, and, um, and I feel like that's the kind of stuff, you know, you probably work out when you're in art school, like, what, what, you know, you take what you, you take what, what works for you or what you, you know, what you appreciate and then you leave what doesn't. But I'm, I'm just, I'm just sort of discovering all this stuff now. Yeah. It's interesting too, because I look at your work and I see you taking more chances and branching out more over last while, um, kind of getting out of your regular comfort zones. Yeah. Interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I'm the, and here's the other thing and I'm not going to be, um, yeah, I'll just be frank about it. Like the the sort of comics that I do, uh, for like Ojingo and Jinchilo, like I can't sell that stuff, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like it, I, I can't sell it like as illustration work. I mean, I don't know. Maybe if I had more sort of confidence or like, but it's just not a style that any sort of agency or editor like art director is interested in. And I want and I love illustration. I love all types of illustration. And I'm not like. I'm not married to one sort of technique or style. I mean, there's so many different techniques and styles that excite me. So it's not like I'm making any whatever compromises or anything. But it's uh, I, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I I, I I have to explore. I had to explore um, different techniques that are are sellable. And I, you know, it sounds crass. It sounds cynical. But like, I'm someone who doesn't sort of have any money you know <laughs> like I need to pay the rent you know and like and I love and I love illustration and I love art so I, I'm, I'm just trying to find some sort of um, 
yeah, I'm just trying to find find what I what I have to what I sort of have to offer to illustration. But you know what? I I'm finding that maybe I don't have anything to offer to illustration. I, and and that's fine too. <laughs> like no, really. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. because illustration work is a very specific kind of work, you know? You're very much uh you're very much like there's a lot of exciting illustrators out there, but I mean, in the breadth of what can be done with illustration, it's a very narrow thing, and it reflects very sort of contemporary trends, and often very, you know, very derivative sort of stuff that's not mm-hmm. necessarily, you know, not going to be necessarily interesting. You well, know, we've what's got... interesting to all the art directors of the world is not necessarily interesting to me, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's just, fine. Even Sorry, the derivative thing makes me think of, like, we've got one James Jean, but we have about 50 clones yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, and not just James Jean, but like, um, you know, like, well, I mean, if you look at like illustration, if, mm-hmm. you know, like there's, you know, there's like 50 Nate Williamses, and there's now there's like a whole, like there's a 100 Jillian Tamakis, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and it's like, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it, it's its own thing, and, you know, uh, yeah, maybe it's not, you know, because really, like, um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, I'm the same as everyone else. I just love to draw, you know? And that's good. It's important to love to draw, or else, uh, your comics wouldn't come as easily. Um, you, lately you've been doing, uh, you did some kids' comics events like the one at Little Island and um, you have the My Name is Elizabeth um, tell me what that's been like for you kind of jumping into well it was um, it was actually a lot of fun I just did one kids comics event but um, it was um, it was a lot of fun and it's funny because I probably have more experience working with kids than I do like working on I do have more experience working with kids and sort of and teaching than I do like as a sort of illustrator of picture books you know what I mean so like when I did the event I was like uh, uh, you know, it was actually a really fun it was a really fun event I mean I'm, I'm I, like like I said I started doing comics when I was teaching kindergarten in Korea so uh, I, like I'm, I know I know sort of um, uh, like I like I, like I know I know what what like I know that kids are, are, are not gonna really enjoy um, holding audience, you know, they're not going to like it if I just hold audience with them. They're going to want to do something fun, you know, like, uh, and, 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 you know, they're going to want an activity and they don't give a shit who I am. <laughs> they, you know, they just prefer to draw or something. So I, I, I tried to come prepared with a, with an activity that we could all work on together and they could take something home. So that was fun. And I think, the, you know, I think the parents dug it too. Do you get a lot of excitement out of seeing kids into your work? Yeah, well, yeah, you know, and I think, uh, you know, the more I think, uh, I don't know, I'm interested in what you think about this, but I feel like a lot of art is just the, um, is, is is not an attempt to recreate childhood, but to kind of strip away all the sort of, uh, sort of, all all the sort of shackles of adulthood, you know? Like the best artists have that sort of childlike, voice uh point of view do you know what i mean 
like that sort of that sort of pure way of seeing the world. You know, the best artists have that sort of relationship with with themselves. Like I was just I was just in a playground yesterday, and these there's these chalk drawings on 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 the asphalt, and I was like, this stuff is like this stuff is like next. <laughs> this stuff is great. You know, <laughs> it's next level illustration. You know, like these kids are really in touch with themselves. You know. That's I never really thought about it that way. Um, I did one interview with Tim Hensley, and he was talking about how he really um, gravitated towards art by folks with uh, disabilities. Right. Wow. Okay. Um, and I, I found that interesting, and it kind of reminded me of like something like, uh, say, like Daniel Johnson. Um, yeah. And that kind of like unique vision that he has that that very much true in all his work and his music and his his drawings so yeah or what's the what, you know what's the famous manifesto or famous in comics by James Kachalka oh uh, beauty is the enemy or craft is the enemy yeah right so that's the same thing right it's like saying all these sort of learned all these sort of learned uh, all these sort of learned things we must reject them and sort of just and just go with what's you know Anyway, <laughs> so there's a lot to get out of doing these workshops with the kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, to, sorry, man. I feel like I'm like such a heavy. <laughs> Maybe it's because it's so late, but um, yeah, I guess it is very late for you. Um, well, I think actually on that note, I've been yakking with uh, Matt Forsyth. Um, his books are Ochingogo, uh, Jinchalo, um, Comics Class by uh, come out from Koyama Press. Uh, the previous two from Toronto Quarterly, as well as my name is Elizabeth in finer bookstores and comic stores. Uh, thank you so much, Matt. Thank you. We go down like moles, claws dig and all. We descend on fours. Snouts lead us on. We fall down without notes, and so we build a barren moat. Look through the night, our eyes opaque, our fingers cold, kisses and rain.
Our eyes are smiles, our fingers cold, our lips are frowns. 